Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where there you can find all kinds of things, past episodes, medium classes, join our Facebook group. And then we have this world famous online Sunday gathering. So you can join people from all over the world and our non-denominational Sunday service with a medium demonstration included. And it's free. All at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is a longtime friend who has always, always, always supported my endeavors. She's authentic, compassionate, and wishes for all to know how powerful, special, intuitive, loved we are. Plus, she's a lot of fun. Today, you'll meet Mary Hayes, who is a well-respected intuitive counselor and medium with over 25 years of experience and service to others. She has personally studied with many great teachers, including the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, Greg Braden, Louise Hay, Caroline Mace, and that's just to name a few. Mary is the author of Express Your Yes!, a Simple Guide to Inspired Living, and her brand new novel, Enchanting Winds, The Other Side of Love, which <laughs> dispels many of the myths and misunderstandings about death, everlasting love, and the other side. You can find out more about her at maryhays.org. Mary, my friend, so nice to see you and welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I'm just delighted to be in your company and thank you for the invitation. <laughs> oh, ditto to you. And this is a long time coming, but it's perfect because you've got this beautiful novel out now, which is great. Mary, if you would do me the favor and talk to our community, let us know a little bit who you are, where you're living, where you're from, and mm -hmm. how you got into this world. So yeah, t tell us about Mary. Well, thank you. I'd be glad to. So I live in Central Florida. I've been here since elementary school. This is home now, although I was born in New England and that's still in my heart. In fact, my book takes place in Cape Cod and it was such a joy to write because part of me still belongs up, up in the Northeast. So, but I, I came into my work in a very natural, organic way because my mother died tragically when I was a very young, naive. I was a teenager, but I was very innocent and very young. And I was told some very insensitive and even hurtful things about what might have happened to her spirit. I even asked the minister at our church where we had been faithfully attending for years if she was going to be okay when she passed. And it was right before her funeral. And it was just he and I in the hallway. And he said to me, well, I don't think she went to heaven. I was gutted. It was one thing to tragically lose my mother. It was another thing to have the minister at the church where she sang in the choir, I sang in the choir, say something to me. And it was that moment, that very moment that I said, I have to know. I have to know what happens on the other side. So a few decades later, I've been on this journey of discovery, and I have to show you something funny. Not funny, meaningful. There are books, speaking of books, there are books we read, and then there are books we study. And I just want you to see the post-it notes and the markings and the clip notes. And this is your book. And when I started on this book, I thought, 
It is so well-researched. It has been a reference guide for me and something I can easily recommend to others. And I want to commend you for the work you're doing because I didn't have a lot of resources. I couldn't even drive. And I'll tell you what really opened the door to understanding was when I started to find the little, the little tiny roadside spiritualist churches where they were giving mediumship readings. And I was very shy at the time. I don't know how I found them. This is before the internet. And I would always just slip in the back and go by myself and and just sit there quiet as a mouse because I was very shy. And each time I went to those churches, they always asked to speak to me and they always brought my mother in. And after the third time, and very validating information, and after the third time, I thought, you cannot tell me this woman is not in the light. You cannot tell me she's not in a good state. And I have really just devoted my life, as you have, I believe, to just helping others now have the reassurance, have the confidence to know their loved ones are doing well they want communication and that it's not hard for us to have that. Oh, excuse me. That was goofy. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> we, we make it exiting around here. That's right. That's right. I get, Mary, I get, well, you can tell I'm passionate about what yeah, I'm talking about. <laughs> you brought tears to my eyes just oh, now. And thank you for yeah. showing my book and all those things. But the Ooh. truth is, there's a lot of misinformation out there oh, on top God. of already grief and suffering. And so yeah. you're, you and yeah. I, birds of a feather, you know, just yeah. if we can learn something and we continue to learn and yeah. then share all we want just to pass it on. That's oh. right. When these messages came through at the spiritualist churches with your mom and evidence, could you say more about that? I'm assuming they're messages of love and I'm still here with you and good things. I really wish, you know, if we could ever go back in time, I would love to see me in those little churches as shy as I was literally every time in the back row, because the way I was raised, which I can, I refer to as like traditional Christianity, that wouldn't have been, you know, that would have been frowned upon, but I thought I need answers and I need them quickly. So, and it was many years before I could drive. So I still had to wait that time, but they would always you know, when it was at the end of the service, right? And they're going to do the readings and they would point all the way to the back. And I'm like, oh, good. They're going to, the first time I was a nervous wreck. The second time I'm like, oh, they're going to call on me. My mother and I both shared, and I have another story after this, I think you'll particularly find interesting, but my mother and I both shared a love for flowers. It was just, she. one of the books she left was a Japanese uh, flower arranging book that I still have. And it, it, I remember specifically one time it's the the woman that, on the platform said, your mom is bringing you flowers. They're very beautifully arranged. And that's what my mother would do. She would not just clip flowers from the yard and stick them in a vase. She would take the time. And I think it's called Ikebana, the Japanese art of flower arranging. She had studied that. So to her, how you arrange flowers was an art in and of itself. And that's what they would reference was the flowers and her love of design. And I thought, who would know that, right? Who would know that? So again, time and again. But I have to tell you one other story that involves you and your amazing We Don't Die family. The more I thought about our time together, I thought Philip and Carrie and Robert and Maggie and Scott and who you've attracted, it's extraordinary. But I met you at one of your conferences and Philip called on me um, 
well, they were doing the group. I think he had his eyes covered. I don't remember exactly, but it was, you know, who can validate this information? And of course, everybody in the room wants it to be them, right? But he brought through my mother. And this was just went back in Orlando when I met you. And I had just gone into the attic and gone through some old trunks. And I found letters my mom had written me back right before she passed. I didn't know I had them. I I was weeping in the attic like I, I don't know how they got misplaced for me to find these decades later. So when Philip spoke to me, he said, I see that your mother, there's correspondence with your mother and some cards and some letters. And I had just found them days before. And he said, both you and your mother share a love for greeting cards. I had owned a greeting card shop. He just went on and on about the meaning of these letters. I hadn't even told anyone yet because I was still in shock that I'm like, how could I have these all these years? So what a treasure and what an amazing experience to have him again validate that information that literally I hadn't told anyone. So special. Wow, Mary. So tell us more about your journey. So there's young Mary and she gets these readings at the Spiritualist Church. What then? Okay, so my dream as a little girl was always to have a greeting card shop. I started sketching it literally as a child. And when I got into, I went to college, um, you know, got got out in the world and got married and all those things. But the dream of having that greeting card shop was always something I thought I've got to bring into fruition. And when I opened that shop, which really was my little girl dream come true, beautiful cards, beautiful handmade gifts. But I started sharing with people. People would come in and buy grieving cards like you know, someone had passed. And next thing I know, we're having these meaningful moments and things were transpiring that weren't just like, here, let me ring up your card sale. So again, that validation by Philip that yes, I was in the card business, but it was in that shop, which is actually right down the street from my office where it is now, all these years later, I started to realize that I knew I wanted to help people it started to show up there because about people would come back like a week later, a month later and said, that was so helpful what you said to me. And I didn't always remember exactly what I had said, but it went, like I said, far beyond a sale. It became counseling, intuitive information, and started to connect at that time with loved ones on the other side. And I was scared and nervous. And I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo, you know, but I thought, how can I not bring them the comfort and the reassurance that I wanted so badly when my loved ones died? So it it started then and it just kind of organically grew from there. And I've always been a curious person. So I've studied every kind of things my life, but mostly spiritual things. And again, those, you know, how we reinforce that connection on the other side. I know you work with people. You can, it's more than a reading though. You can do all kinds of things with Mary. You just need somebody to talk to. That's great. Put you in the right direction. You do mediumship and you've studied that as well as, gosh, you've studied with a a long list of people. Tell us a little bit about your, your education and your craving to learn. Yeah, I I do a, I do something that's very unique. I call it a soul color reading where I can actually access 
the the inner truth of who someone is. It's very beautiful. It's very reassuring. But one of the colors that will often show up in a reading if someone is by nature very curious is the color yellow, which tends to be a warm, friendly, optimistic, and curious color. I jokingly say whoever created Google obviously had a lot of yellow because it's like, let me Google that. So I didn't even do my own colors for quite a while, but I have a lot of yellow. So I've always been that kind of person that said, tell me why, why is that? I wanted to know. So I didn't set myself up to train to do what I do. I just wanted answers to the questions I had, but I really did. When I look back on it, put myself through a pretty arduous journey of education simply because I, I had to have those answers. And what I failed to mention before was the day we buried my mother, I literally said a prayer in my heart that something good would come out of the tragedy of not only her passing, but what I had heard, even from well-meaning people in the church who said things like, God needs her more than you do. Things, and you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard them all, and I know she's better off, which I actually think she was better off, but I was a grieving child that needed, like I said, these answers. So so I really did have a prayer in my heart that something good. And now I look back and go, well, I didn't know this would become my avocation, that this is my profession. But what an honor, what a privilege to have people come to me that are seeking life answers, which I call myself an intuitive counselor. So I bring in some traditional training and then just drawing on my connection with life itself, with the divine but also mediumship so that if they want connection with someone, we will have that connection. And it's so healing. The feedback I hear from people, and I'm sure you do too, that it's life changing. Look at Sonia's work. When I think of Sonia Rinaldi, the work she's doing, she connected one of my clients with their only lost child. They, they Their only child passed and they were able to find them on the missing pages and I thought that that woman will never be the same again in the most wonderful of ways because of that connection, right? Some people don't know who Sonia is and what she does. Yes. You would please talk a little bit about that. You want me well, to? I'm going to let you talk about all it. Right, I adore her, right. but I'm not a specialist. <laughs> Sonia Rinaldi is a researcher in Brazil who, for probably 35 years plus now, has been working to connect mostly parents with their children. And during this time, she's only given it away, working with what people might call EVP, but uh, she would do a recording and record the sound of static and have a parent look at an empty chair and just imagine their child there and record a conversation. And when they played it back, the child's voice was there. And in the past, so maybe six-ish years, six, seven years-ish, she has been working with cameras and taking pictures of things like static on a TV channel or steam or, you know, different things only to have faces appear. And when I say faces, it's not like a face you can imagine in a cloud. They're often in color. People appear young. They're real people. Uh, There's one video she has and the girl blinks and turns her head. Um, 
they're real. So I can only imagine in the afterlife, there is a line 20 miles long of people <laughs> who, who yes. want to uh, yes. get their face on there. But she, yeah, Sonia doesn't do private readings or anything. She just keeps in, investigating and studying and then sharing it all. So we'll put yeah. a link in the description to Sonia and all these page if people want to see examples. But yeah. yes. Anyways, back to you. <laughs> Well, I was privileged to, I was privileged to watch her at your conference in Orlando and, and I'd not heard of her when she came up to speak. I thought she's this, the most beloved, adorable woman ever. And the most unassuming, I mean, there's no ego with that woman. She's extraordinary, but to watch her experiments live. And then of course, the beautiful film that you all have created about her dedication to her work. It's a privilege to know her. It's a privilege to see someone that has also dedicated her life to bringing these connections in. And they are there. There's no words in my mind to describe the wonder of to watch someone's, like you said, the image come through and there's some movement or a blink. The way I look at it is you can't make that up. You just can't make it up. (laughs) No, there was a one picture that had come through of my dad in the beginning Mm. And dad passed when he was mid seventies and hospital and not good. And this young picture of him, like he looked like when he was in his twenties and the air force came through and we have a picture kind of similar, but not that one. The Mm -hmm. only one we have, he's looking straight, straight at the camera. And this one, he's like looking off to the side. And I remember showing my mom the picture Mm because she's uh, sometimes she's like, I don't know, Sandra, this stuff sounds pretty (laughs) weird. And she saw it Mm -hmm. and she was just stunned. And Mm -hmm. I think it kind of opened something like what's possible because nobody could have that picture. No. And it was him. Right. Right. Beautiful. Someone else connected my dad years ago when he passed. And she that's exactly the way she described him was when he was young and handsome and in the military. But she described him exactly. She had seen him, you know, in spirit, not through a, a form like Sonia does. But it was extraordinary. And I thought, well, that was probably when my dad thought he was, you know, the best looking. So that's when he, what he went back to. Yeah. Well, we'd look at our best selves, I'm sure. Mary, I want to ask you a little bit about your beliefs and how they relate, you know, to this world of the afterlife. And you've learned a lot. You certainly mm-hmm. have. But do you want to share as far as, sure. hmm, you know, there's always the big question, what's it all about? But right. are our loved ones here uh, are they happy? You know. Oh gosh, yeah. Thank you. And I, like I mentioned, I'm happy to speak about that. Like I mentioned, raised traditional Christian. Our faith was really important in our household. Praying before meals and certain what I would call set beliefs. And 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 there was the division of heaven and hell. And when I started to entertain the thought of what if. You know, what if there's only the light? It it took me years. I was in my young 20s when I really did what I describe a deep dive to go, how can we suffer on the other side? It didn't make sense. You know, the earthly realm is difficult enough. And if we're here and we're doing our best and no one can live what I describe as a perfected life, then to me, the other side is the place of grace. It is as you so beautifully described in your book, you gave so many terms for heaven or paradise or the afterlife. There's so many ways we describe it. 
but it's hard to imagine the other side where they're suffering still, or they're still ill, or they're angry. I've been amazed how many people will come to me and say, I know they're disappointed in me, or they're mad that I didn't finish college. And I really believe they're not capable of having negative emotions on the other side. Because we can't, you know, jokingly think of someone walking around heaven still like, well, yeah, I'm really not really happy about that. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. You know, it's, it is, it's kind of comical. But my feeling is when the soul leaves the physical form at the time of death, what stays behind is the hardships, is the pain, is the suffering, and those lesser human emotions. When we're here in human form, we got to have it all. We're going to have days we're feeling off or feeling blue or getting a little short-tempered, whatever, whatever our stuff is. But fortunately, when we do go to the afterlife, when we are on the other side, it is glorious. It is beautiful. And my belief is they want connection, that they're not, again, you reference there's so many misunderstandings. And to me, this thought of them being way up there looking down or even this sort of this concept of resting in peace. Are they just sleeping up there peacefully? No, it's a nice thought if they've suffered a lot. But to me, they want connection with us and they are sending us signs of reassurance or we can sense them or we can feel them or the fan is twirling or there's so many ways they let us know that not only are they doing well, but I believe they want to bring us reassurance. They want to bring us comfort. They want to be a, a continual support and a continual presence with us. So that relationship can continue. And what a blessing to know that. And what a honor and a privilege for me to be able to pass that information on to people that are, they want to know that people want to believe their loved ones are doing well, but to have the confirmation and to have the information that yes, they're great and they want that relationship to continue and even deepen. It's just so beautiful. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> what are your beliefs on who we are? Where's you know, I say we're souls having a human experience, but what do you think about all that? I, why I agree why is it so tough, Mary? Why yeah. is it always so tough? <laughs> that is the big question, isn't it? You know, it is. I actually believe life on earth can be very challenging. And I think our, our human species right now is going through its own evolution. We can watch the news or look, just look outside or just go to the grocery store and see there's a lot of chaos right now. But I believe we're going through a really beautiful and powerful time of transformation, not an easy one. But I think we are coming to a place where we're more compassionate, where we're more forgiving. And we're a lot, right now, we're letting go of these old belief structures, these old paradigms. And it's not always easy to let go of these ways we've held on to, these thoughts and beliefs we've held on to. But ultimately, through whatever experiences we're having here on earth, we can extract the good, you know? So even if, let me think of an example. I was sharing this with someone the other day, one night coming home from work, I got a flat tire and no one wants to get a flat tire. And it wasn't in the best neighborhood either. And I was just like, really a flat tire it was getting dark. And it was just, you know, and I thought I'm not going to panic. I feel safe. And I'm just going to affirm that something good can come out of this. Like, let's just see how this shapes up for me. And I just kind of sat in a moment of 
peacefulness instead of going into drama and a you know, crisis and worry. Well, as it turns out, a guy pulled right up in this giant truck and he goes, ma'am, do you need help? And he, got a, he had everything on that truck to patch my tire and fill my tire. He wouldn't let me give him anything. But as he, and he was real humble, he wouldn't even look at me. He said, don't worry, ma'am, I'll fix it for you. I mean, he was just the sweetheart of a guy. And I thought, is he an angel in disguise or what? But I could see as he was working on my car, which the whole thing didn't take a half an hour. He pulled up, he fixed it. It was like, you know, these things can happen when we expect them and we want them to happen. And I could see he had some um, skin issues. And I thought, instead of just sitting here and watching him fix my tire, I thought, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to offer blessings to him. So I thought he needed blessings. I needed help. So I just asked that he be blessed and that his skin or whatever illnesses he was having would would start to improve. And, I, and when he left, he kind of looked at me in the eyes like, I could tell he was feeling a little better. And I don't take credit for that, but we know that if we offer blessings or prayers or, you know, send energy to someone, Reiki, whatever we want to call it, that it can help the situation. They've proven that, which always amazes me. They've proven it scientifically. So again, I use that as an opportunity for blessings. He drove off in his truck like, I don't know what just happened. And I drove off in my car going, that was a miracle. That was such a blessing. So it's really like this magical little moment that happened. So I think it it behooves us to look for these opportunities and say, what good can come out of it? Just like I referenced with my mom's passing, of course it was tragic. Of course I was just broken over it. It was it was a horrible death. But I thought, what good can come out? So I think as soul beings having a human experience, we are here to evolve. We're here to grow and change and evolve and find ways to love each other. And some days it's harder than others, but ultimately that's the purpose. Beautifully said. What good can come out of it? You know, it's a yes. great thing to ask that question, but it's really hard to remember to ask that question. Yes. Yes, because so be. often we're living in a mind, Mary, that's mm. guilty about the past, worried about the future, keeping mm. an eye on the cell phone to see what texts are coming. Any hints to remember that we are a divine soul? Ah, oh, that's a that's beautiful. Well, I think sometimes, I think slowing down, that's what I sense might be a good way to look at it is it can be very chaotic. It can be very hectic and things are just speeding up. And like I said, intensifying, but like for me, if I go to reach for my phone to check Facebook or whatever, I just, I will often just sit for a half a minute or a minute and go, is that the best use of my time? Is that really the best use of my time right now? So that I, as you referenced earlier, it's like, I do trust my intuition. I've really honed that ability to go, is that wise for me to use my time for that? And a lot of times it is, that's, you know, I have three minutes, I'll check Facebook, but sometimes I just need to sit and gaze out the window and that's a better use of my time. So I think any of us at any time can, tether into our intuition, which I believe is our connection to the higher life, the divine, whatever we want to call that, the greater scope of life. And when we take just a half a second or three seconds to go, what is wise for me to do right now, then we can avoid having a lot of chaos and 
feeling frenetic and frantic over things and just sort of still ourselves and move in what I call an inspired direction. So it keeps us out of those traps of busyness or hecticness or most of the time, and we just got through the holidays, there's always going to be a little bit of that. But I think when we just take that extra moment to decide and decipher from an inspired place, what's a good direction for us to move in, then the next steps will be inspired and they will be blessed. And then more blessings can come to us. Wow. (laughs) These thoughts and intuitions, do they come in our voice or somebody else's voice Mm, or any voice, or is it just a knowing? So both or both. (laughs) So I believe, and that's the first book that I wrote that I'm actually excited. I'm going to revise it and expand it this year. I'm working with someone. We're going to add artwork. Very excited about that. But it's it's a workshop and a course I've taught for over 20 years because everyone kept asking me, like, how do you know stuff? Like, how do you know? And we can call it that still small voice or and a lot of times it is a voice. And sometimes it's a it's an otherworldly voice. Sometimes it sounds like our own voice. But what I believe, in addition to these external signs or even internal signs that we get, I believe that our body registers our answers for us. And you know, how often do people say, "Oh, I just had a gut feeling," right? And we'll we'll touch this. You can't see me, but you know, our gut. <laughs> Science is starting to call our our gut the second brain because the tissue that's in that part of our body is identical to the tissue in the brain. Fascinating. So to me, it's the yin yang. We've been given at birth this ability to think things through and reason and ration and, you know, reason and think things through rationally. And that's beautiful. But I think we also need to draw on that gift also of intuition that is that inner knowing that we might not be able to always rationally explain but that doesn't mean it's not valid. So to me, we can always take that extra minute and just ask a singular question like, is it wise for me too? Or is it in my highest good? Or is it in our, our, our highest good? And watch how quickly our body registers a yes or no. Almost always, immediately, a yes will feel expansive. It'll feel uplifting. If you ask someone, the example I could give is if you ask someone, what'd you do over the weekend? If they had fun, they'll be like, oh my gosh, we went skiing. It was amazing. Their upper body will expand. Their head will go up. It's body language, right? But their body's doing that. And almost always a no will feel contractive and kind of closed in and uncomfortable. So ask someone, what'd you do over the weekend? They're like, oh gosh. We had to clean the garage, you know, and and they they become more concave. So I have really studied this and taught this for so long that if we listen to or we can listen and we will get signs and voices. But I also believe our bodies will give us those clear indications like goosebumps or an uplifting feeling. And when we start to utilize that as a, another way to access wisdom It's quick, it's easy, it can be done with the eyes open, it can be done when we're driving, that we can always know what is an inspired next direction. That brings me to my next question that I didn't know I had till now, (laughs) is if we can use the intuition this way for the answers, best use of my time, et cetera, 
can we use it to connect with our loved ones? Because as much as we love going to a medium and getting some information that person couldn't possibly know, it would be nice on a daily basis if we could feel like our loved ones are around. What would you say about 100%. that? hundred percent. I love that question. I love it. It does bring these two things together. When I'm working with someone that really wants to build confidence and strength in their own ability to connect with their loved ones, it's exactly what I encourage them. Instead of going, are you there? What do you want to tell me? Or am I on the right track or the right path? And they're just kind of talking into the ethers. To me, first we can believe that if we're, my firm belief is if we think about them or we're speaking about them or we're feeling them or missing them in our hearts or reaching out to them in our hearts, they get that message. So I don't think it has to be, hey, dad, I think they energetically can perceive that we want connection with them. And then what I suggest to individuals is start off with yes or no questions. If you really want to hear them or sense them, it's just, do you think it's wise for me to go to school or do you think it's wise for me to get a new job? I think it's easier when someone's beginning to bridge that or believe in that connection with the other side to start in very simple ways so that the messages can be more readily available to them and then just start building on that confidence. But again, the other thing that most people will recognize within themselves is that their body is responding. You know, they're going to feel their loved one close by. They're going to sense them close by. So I think as souls having a human experience, it's a privilege to have this body and we can use it as a tool to feel, to sense, and to discern, actually. But truthfully, I, like I said earlier, I really believe our loved ones want this connection with us. So it isn't this begging, pleading, oh, I hope, wonder. It may not show up in the way we we, we expect. I've had people in the past say, I want them to come in my dream state. I want them to come tonight in my dream. Well, that may not happen. But what I recommend is, just ask them to come and let their presence be known and ask them to do it in such a way that you won't question whether or not it's them. So whether they send a feather or it's a message at a certain time of day or a song that comes on the radio or something, I think they can find ways to reassure us that are not to be questioned, that are irrefutable. But I do suggest that we don't demand it, that it shows up a certain way, you know, let them do it in a way that feels authentic to them. That just reminded me of something. I have a deceased um, ex-boyfriend. He died a year ago and we'd been apart for a couple of years, but we were together like six or seven years. And I was listening to the radio and two songs came on that were very meaningful between him yeah. and I. Yeah. So I said, if that's really you, there's what <laughs> me being so demanding, right? It's okay. There's, there's a hall. I, I helped him write a couple of books and do a few things. And um, he always played the song by Holland Oates. You make my mm-hmm. dreams come true. Um, so I said, Hey, if that's you, let that be the next song on the radio. Oh. Well, it wasn't right. It wasn't. But this morning I was turned on the shower and I turned on the radio and that's the first song that came I on. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I just like, okay, I got it. It was so yep. funny. 
Yeah. And, that, and, they, and that's that's a good point. It may not show up exactly when or how we want it to show up, but they will do it. And the other thing is they have a wonderful, wonderful sense of humor. So they'll do things to absolutely get our attention. So it to me, it it takes a, it takes time sometimes to build the faith that it really isn't when I'm not crazy. I'm not making this up. I wish we talked more openly culturally about this, but you're one of those people literally globally helping break down these old concepts of it's hard, we can't, it's dark, it's evil. It's like, no, it's supposed to be normal. It's supposed to be easy. They're readily available to us. And once someone starts to build the faith in that and build the experiences in that, then how wondrous their life can be and how fun. I had a client once her mom had passed and she was Mary, you'll never believe what my mom did. Her mom, of all things, collected marbles. And I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that before or since then. And she goes, I got out of my truck and I was filling up my my truck with gas. And she said, I went to get back in my truck and there's a marble on the seat and there was no one else in the vehicle. And she goes, I knew who that was from. So they'll, they'll find ways that are fun and uplifting for us or comforting. Like you heard that first thing this morning. They'll do it. They'll do it. We just have to say, I'm willing, I'm ready. Bring it on. (laughs) Let's talk a bit about grief. I think most of the people that come to this show, there's a missing, there's someone who's passed. So often it's immediate passing or even not immediate, but the grief is so severe and it, Mm -hmm. it, it sounds great to be happy and imagine and think and feel and all this, but sometimes it's so heavy and it's, it's even hard to get out of bed in the morning. What kind of advice do you have with someone who's grieving? I'll say this first, and I thank you for that question because it's so important. Again, I wish our society was more allowing and more understanding of grief you know, there are other cultures where someone will wear black for an extended amount of time to indicate to others, I'm grieving. My own mother's death, it really didn't hit me for six weeks. And then I heard her song at school and that was it. The floodgates broke and I couldn't go to class. And so, so often I believe we've been taught to just, you know, toughen up, toughen up and carry on like, well, the funeral was last weekend. How are you doing? as though, you know, you've had your closure, like you're okay now, right? I think grief is different for all of us. There are days we're going to be like, I can't get out of bed. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean anything, but we have to give into it. And grief will be different for everyone. And it's uncomfortable and it's lonely and it's scary. The good news about grief is there are programs like yours. There are books that are out there that can start to bring us comfort, start to bring us reassurance. But ultimately, I think we have to feel it. And it's scary. No one wants to go into those unpleasant emotions. But if we don't give ourselves ample time to grieve, then things are going to go badly, whether we become sickly or we start snapping at people because that those emotions have to go somewhere. So when we give it ample time to just go into it and explore it and experience it, whether that's crying or wailing or 
going for long walks in the woods, whatever that has to be, when we honor that process, then on the other side, I actually think we're more whole. It's like if someone was to make a piece of pottery and put it through the kiln, and the heat in a kiln, I think, is thousands of degrees or something, it, it, it's literally being fired so that it becomes a usable piece of art rather than a, a moldable piece of clay. But none of us want to say, oh, good, I'm going to go through a kiln experience and go through the heat of grief. But we must. But it gives us more room and more capacity later to, to love more fully. We, we, it never serves us to avoid grieving, however uncomfortable it is. And then when we have honored that emotion, however it shows up for us, like I said, I think it allows us to have more compassion and more understanding for others that are also struggling and suffering. And I have individuals that I work with that maybe have a full-time job and they can't afford to stay in bed or they have children they have to get up and make breakfast for. So sometimes we really aren't afforded an opportunity to just go into a deep dive grief. But what I recommend is make dates with yourself and say Saturday from two to seven, I'm going to turn the phone off. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to suppress these emotions. I'm going to give myself the opportunity to either nap or walk in the woods. I think nature can be a great conduit for peace. You know, just anything that serves us in that way, whether it's a pond or the woods, or I'm in Florida, people go to the beach. You know, what is it that will start to bring us comfort and help wash those emotions away? But I think if we create windows of time where we can experience some of that grief, we can start to work through it rather than again, suppressing it or denying it. Cause that, that, that backfires on us if we don't give ourselves ample time. Absolutely. And what we resist persists as they say, and yes. it does take time. I, you know, it was my dad's death and the grief and the turmoil within my family and all that, that led me to investigate grief and why right. it has to hurt so bad and all that. Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't till I think about four years after dad's passing that that dark cloud that seemed to be weighing me down, just, it felt like it was lifted and I was back. Good. So the whole understanding that we go through a whole biological change. And if folks, this, if this is your first show with me, uh, and if you want a free copy of my book, chapter 10 is on how to survive grief, just go to the main page. We don't die.com. Uh, and enter your name and email address. It says you just get the first few chapters of the book, but it's the entire book. Yay. And chapter chapter 10 is on grief. And I think once we can educate ourselves and know what it is we're dealing with, there's some tools yes. to help move through it to the other side. Yes. I don't think we ever, you know, we'll never stop missing in our loved ones. And sometimes I just see a greeting card or a commercial that will bring it all back and trigger just be, gentle, It'll trigger. be yeah. gentle with ourselves. That's, a, that's exactly right. Be gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask you about this baby here, this right <laughs> here, brand new novel by you. It's a novel, yes. which is pretty cool. Why'd you write it? What is it? Oh gosh. It? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Cause we Thank all like you. a good read. Don't we? Thank you. In fact, what I'm hearing people are 
cozying up, you know, with a blanket on the sofa, a little mug of hot chocolate and just sinking into the story. It's a teaching novel, actually. And I feel that the story was given to me. It wasn't like I was sitting around with nothing to do, like, hmm, maybe I'll write a novel. No, I had a lot, a lot on my plate and it took quite a while for that to come into fruition. But it weaves in the most beautiful stories about trusting intuition, looking for the signs from those on the other side and connecting with those on the other side. So it's a charming little novel. The main character goes to Cape Cod because she hears a calling on the wind and she has to suspend her rational mind that says, I don't know, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know. But she goes, she trusts her gut, she trusts her intuition, and she meets these wonderful, charming characters in this little town of Port St. Smith, but they're all grieving. One of the citizens in, in town that was very beloved has just passed. And so the book goes into how the different characters are grieving. His best friend is angry, but he's getting these mysterious texts from the other side and he just doesn't want to believe it. And he goes, this is crazy. And, you know, a lot of times we get signs and we're going to just dismiss it like, oh, that's a And so his best friend, Larry, he dismisses them like, ah, it's just an old message just, just randomly showed up. So it explores that. And then his next door neighbor, who's a wise elderly sage, a quirky little character, you know, how she gets signs in the form of you'll like this, a cardinal at her window because <laughs> you and I feed the birds at our window and we love our bird companions. So she starts getting messages as a cardinal comes to reassure her. So it's a beautiful story. It's, it's gentle. I had a had a, a client that wrote me a thank you. In fact, she was so charmed by the book. She goes, I ordered six copies for all my friends. It was so sweet. But she said, Mary, one of the things I love about your story, there's no violence in it. Um, I even didn't even put computers in it. I thought we need to go to a gentler time. So it really does, like I said, weave together a very engaging, very warm story but the characters are coming to terms with loss in their own way, but there's transformation within the story. So it's, it's a sweet little read. <laughs> and that is enchanting winds. I know I held it up and I forgot about you ladies and gentlemen that are listening to the podcast channel and you can't see us, but yes. we do, you can find all the interviews on YouTube. If you just type in, we don't die radio. You can see the beautiful Mary. Wow. And stories make a difference because I, I don't know when and where I heard this, but it's easier to learn through hearing stories yeah. than just to read instructions, say. Mm -hmm. And so to go with you and the character on this journey, mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of good things for our soul. I had, I had my sense was there are beautiful reference books out there, but not everyone's going to pick up a reference book. They're going to find their other ways to grieve and, and get the comfort that they seek. So when this novel, when I felt inspired, when I could just hear these characters and the story started to come to me, I thought, what a beautiful way to reach people that might read a good book. My next door neighbor read it and she'd lost someone of great consequence in fact, her mom sadly just passed away on Christmas and her mom started doing things like we're in the book. And she said, my gosh, to be reassured, the wind chimes 
chiming on a completely still day, you know, and this is in the story. And it's one of the things her mom has already done to reassure her. So I love that I was given this opportunity with this story to share these stories, these experiences, and kind of normalize it for those that might not otherwise pick up a book that would, you know, walk them through it. So another platform for helping. (laughs) Absolutely. It's beautiful. Tell us about what we can find at maryhays.org because there's people that might (laughs) just resonate with you and go, I like this lady. Of course you can find your books. Um, And thank you for donating a portion to We Don't Die. I saw that. I thought, oh, it was, it was not hard to decide on. I knew I wanted to give back and you have been such an inspiration to me. You really have. Like I said, the reading Philip gave me, Philip and Carrie, the work they're doing, Robert and Maggie Robertson, my, what a gifted cinematographer, director, filmmaker, what a gifted man he is. And I love the story, how y'all met each other. It's just too good. So I wanted to support the films, especially the film he made about Sonia, the Rinaldi film, which has won how many awards already, right? So it's an honor to give back. Believe me, it's, it's, I could not do it. So my website, it just says a little bit about who I am and the different services I offer. Like you said, the books are there and that's it. It's pretty straightforward. I've got some blog posts and some inspiring information on there. I, I strive always to find ways to offer light and inspiration, you know, help lift the spirit up in a world that, like I said, it's going through some hard times right now. I figured the more light and good we can all send out into the world, the better. Beautiful. But maryhays.org. It's Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S. I just wanted to mention, because you brought up Robert and the gang, if you go to wedontdiefilms.com, you can see the latest work we're doing. You can also see uh, the film about uh, Sonia Rinaldi and her work and our upcoming film, Evidence of the Afterlife, features our mutual friends, uh, Carrie and Phil Dykes, and restoring what evidential mediumship should be. Cause there's a lot of people out there doing some things that aren't so cool, charging right. way too much money and right. uh, doing a disservice to the spirit world. Right. So you can pay attention, um, keep, not pay attention, but keep an eye on what's happening with that film right there. That's we don't die films.com. Mary, we have a few minutes left reach into that gorgeous soul. What else needs to be said, should be said, share some love, a laugh, a smile. How do you want to leave people for this episode today? Well, thank you. What a beautiful, what a beautiful opportunity. I think all of us want love. And when we do lose someone like we spoke of, we have to go through that grieving time the shock of it, the grief, and it can last a year. It can last four years. It can last any length of time. It comes in waves. But once we start to fully recognize that our loved ones are well, that they want connection, that they can still be, like I said, a very meaningful part of our lives, that can certainly aid in the healing process and the grieving process. And like I said, that we can continue to build meaningful relationship with them forever. 
And then, of course, when we get to the other side, when we're in the afterlife, we'll have the most beautiful time of reconnection with them. And that's, I really challenge that early in my in my research and my growth. Like, is that just magical thinking like, oh, we're just going to all be together? I believe it now with all my heart that we will have meaningful connection with all our loved ones on the other side. And in the meantime, while we're still walking on planet Earth, we can still reach out to them and know without a doubt that they're reaching back with love and compassion and reassurance to us. Beautiful words. Mary, thank you so much for being our guest today. (laughs) Oh, and to our listener or our viewer, thank you for being here. As a reminder, you can go to maryhayes.org. Her books are Express Your Yes, A Simple Guide to Inspired Living, and her brand new beautiful novel that she was talking about, Enchanting Winds, The Other Side of Love. And as a reminder, my home base is wedontdie.com. A shout out to my Patreon club. I just started this not too long ago. For you diehard fans of Sandra Champlain and all that I do, I have We Don't Die Radio, and I also have Shades of the Afterlife on iHeartRadio, which is me more topics than just one, more people than just one in any given episode. And if you want to get a list of almost 600 episodes, you click on each and every one and you can search them. If you go to wedontdie.com, there's a place to join the Patreon club. It's as little as a dollar an episode. You'll never be charged more than five episodes in a month. So don't worry. And you could cancel any time. But those are for those of you that are really interested in the afterlife and Boy, I tell you, I've studied just about every topic, and I think you'll enjoy it. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, always so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul, and that your life here on earth is important. And what I'm really left with, with our time from Mary today, with Mary today, is to just take that extra few moments, 30 seconds, whatever that is, Either check in with yourself, is this the best move for me right now, or ask a question, or talk to your soul that intuition knows. Don't be so quick to just jump on things or do things. Just take that moment. So with that, I really want to thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you again soon.